On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we're recapping Kansas's win over Missouri State 48-17. to Big one for the Jayhawks to get things going, even without Jalen Daniels. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Derek Johnson, you can hear me as well, Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked On Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can also like and subscribe to our show on our YouTube page. On today's episode, recapping KU's win over Missouri State 48-17. to Go to the game, good, bad, what stood out. What's next for KU with Illinois upcoming on Friday? First of this episode of the show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. So uh, KU ends up beating Missouri State and 48-17, the final score game that was close at halftime, 17-10, but always felt like Kansas was the better team. Even when it was 17-10, it didn't really feel like to me that they were in danger. It was 17-10 because you had the fumble. Otherwise, maybe it's 17-3 or maybe it's 24-3 or something like that. You always kind of felt like the better team. You were dominating on the line of scrimmage and that bared itself out in the second half. I thought Jason Bean looked good, but clearly outside of just the win and getting the dub and you know, certain things looking good for you. Uh, the big storyline of the day was no Jalen Daniels. So uh, we, we've talked about this all leading up and, and on my prediction or, or on the, the show on Friday, I thought he was going to be a starter. And then all of a sudden we heard some some reports and rumors and Bryson Stricker tweeted out something about Jalen probably not going to go. Uh, then all of a sudden we see Jalen Daniels warming up before the game. And on the video board, Jalen Daniels gets announced as the starting quarterback for the game. And so it's like, okay, what's going on here? Then Jason Bean comes out as the starter. So clearly there are mind games being played and um, being played well. So it's kind of, and it was against an FCS team. So from that standpoint, it's a moot point. You should have been able to win with Cole Ballard in there the entire time, right? With Ben Easters, Mikey Pauly. It shouldn't have mattered who you was for that game. But what this tells me is that, A, this is going to be a problem that's going to nag throughout the rest of the season, right? This could flare up at any moment. So there is, at this point, it feels like to me, there's not a safe moment where we're going to go into a game and be like, okay, Jalen Daniels, he's officially 100%. No, like that feels like to me something that at any moment we could be in week six if Jalen's back this week and all of a sudden it's like, oh no, it flared back up again, right? That's a little bit scary. And the way that Lance Leipold and the staff has handled this, we heard, you know, in camp, oh, if this is a problem in a week, we'll hear about it. Well, it was a week later, we didn't hear about it. It was like, no, we're not concerned. And every week it kept being, we're not concerned until this week. And then we get to Monday and we get the vague answers about, well, he's listed as a starter on the 2D. The Here's what was very interesting to me. Lance Leipold said on Monday at his press conference last week, he said, everybody who is available will play. Well, Jalen Daniels was warming up. Was he available or was he not? We got to Friday. His explanation after the game was that, you know, he had a flare up and it caused him to get, uh, less practice reps than we wanted and was ideal coming into the week. And so because of that, we decided to go with Jason Bean because he didn't get as many reps and, you know, he he uh, wasn't, I don't know, in tune with practice or whatnot. But that counters against what was said Monday because that means even if there was less reps, if he was available, 
Why did he not play when that was the comment made on Monday that if, he, if anybody was available, they were going to play in the game? So this feels like to me we're getting kind of just lied to. I think there are probably ulterior motives here um, from whatever reason, which I think is scary from a long-term perspective because it's enough to make me think that Jalen Daniels is probably going to be out for more games throughout the course of this season, whether it's consecutive or whether it's here or there. And I kind of feel like it's going to be Jason being this Friday against Illinois, but that is a complete shot in the dark because we are shooting in the dark because that's how this has been kind of approached to us. And uh, it certainly is a little bit scary from that standpoint. Now, if Jason Bean plays like that each and every game, if your offensive line plays like that each and every game, your running game plays like that each and every game, you're going to be fine in the long term. But it still is clear that as good as I thought Jason Bean played, and I, you know, that the response drive after Missouri State went down and scored, was awesome from him. He hit the deep ball, and then he hit the touchdown pass to Luke Grimm. Uh, he he was efficient. He played really well. There still were those plays that you noticed. There is a difference between him and Jalen Daniels. There were a couple. Again, he pitched it too early. That's something that Jalen wouldn't do because you're maybe trying to kind of avoid getting hit. And so you end up um kind of in a tough situation offensively there to where if your quarterback you know doesn't want to take the hit it's going to hurt some of your option game and, and hurt some of your speed option game just a few decisions that didn't end up being interceptions but like thrown into triple coverage early to like Jared Casey those little things that oh, could change it for for KU I still think I think they could be a bowl team with Jason Bean. I th still think they get seven wins. But for me, the, the avenue for them getting eight or nine wins is a healthy Jalen Daniels. So that's where it is a very important thing. Uh, kind of moments early in the game where you were maybe a little less locked in or less disciplined than I'd like early in the season. You had the fumble from High Shaw. You had the timeout on your first play of a drive on like the second or third drive of the game. You had the near targeting call, which wasn't, but like why even risk it? You had the roughing the passer from – uh, Austin Booker when he just kind of unnecessarily hit the quarterback low and, and lunged forward. Just little things like that that you're going to have to clean up as the season goes on. It was week one, so I just chalk it up to, you know, uh, that's going to happen in the first week of the season, but something you don't want to continue. They revved it up in the second half, though. That was really impressive what they did on the line of scrimmage. I thought they easily could have been up more at halftime, and I thought they easily could have won the game even more than that. But even then, with the slow start, they still covered the spread, I guess, depending on what you got the number at. It opened – it was mostly around like 28, 29. I think it closed at like 32. So if you got it at 32, I'm sorry, you ended up a little bit short there. But outside of that, it was impressive. But yeah, you dominated the line of scrimmage, offense and defensively. You ran the ball well. I thought the defense was solid overall. You give up 17 points, but you take away the Daniel Highshaw fumble, that's 10 points basically given up. So not overly concerning there. It's not that this game leads to a huge takeaway – as we've kind of previewed leading up to it, it's an FCS opponent. You're supposed to beat them. You're supposed to dominate them in certain ways. But they did what good programs and what good teams do to lesser opponents. They out-yarded them 521 to 217. That's about a 300-yard difference there. They didn't make any special teams mistakes. That was nice to see. They were bigger, stronger, faster, and they showed it on the field. And that's just a huge positive of how this program has now risen to the point where you are past your FCS woes, right? You do feel like you're to a point where you are that competent FBS program where you should no longer have to be worrying about this game and these types of games. And that's what we've seen the last two years now, but this one even more so than the last one, because I don't think Tennessee Tech was very good. Missouri State, I don't know that they're going to be a playoff team or anything in the FCS, but that's a competent team in, in the best conference in uh, the FCS. So uh, not the biggest takeaway ever, but you did what good programs do 
against lesser opponents, and that means that Kansas would be a good program. So from that standpoint, impressive stuff. All right, we're going to continue on. We'll get to our goats of the game, good goats, bad goats, and then an early look at next week with Illinois. First of this episode of the show is brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Now time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. I thought, for me, the Game Changer of the Week was that drive by Jason Bean. I, I just mentioned it. Missouri State had just gone down and scored, and they put a little bit of pressure on you. They were um, you know, making you kind of think in the back of your head, uh-oh, what's going on here? You hit the deep ball from Jason Bean, but it was it was the play right after that. I think it was Lawrence Arnold. He was just wide open on the deep ball um, and, and easy to catch. It was the play right after it because that ball to Luke Grimm on the sideline that Grimm caught for a touchdown was an absolute laser beam from Jason Bean. So that is your uh, your play of the week, your moment of the week from Athletic Brewing Company. Their beers are great tasting and award-winning. They beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and more. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at Athletic Brewing Company dot com athleticbrewing.com excuse me first time customers can use locked on to get 15% off your first order that's code locked on at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com near beer exclusions and conditions apply athletic brewing company fit for all times <clears throat> okay continuing on here with locked on jayhawks we'll get to our good goats bad goats if you're new to the show this is what we do so there there are two forms of the word goat the newer age word goat it's an acronym it stands for greatest of all time right he's my goat that guy was the goat whatever right the old adage when i was growing up as a young kid goat was a bad thing goat meant you like messed something up you were kind of like the scapegoat for the situation right so we got the good goats we got the bad goats good goats for this game we're gonna have a good amount of them offensive line was excellent in this game zero sacks allowed you only gave up three tackles for loss you dominated in the running game. As a team, KU had 38 carries for 245 yards. They were opening up huge holes uh, for the KU running backs. They ended up with a 93 pass blocking grade on pro football focus, 78 run blocking grade. If we're going to single guys out for their individual performance, both tackles were excellent in this game. Dominic Pooney and Bryce Cable do graded out extremely well, pristinely on pro football focus, both in run blocking and in pass blocking. And if you get that consistent level of play from your tackles, which is the hardest offensive line position to play because you are kind of on an island out there. You feel good about your interior guys, especially led by Mike Nowitzki. You're going to go a long way this year, and, and that's going to cover up uh, whether there is any injury long-term with Jalen Daniels. I thought the defensive line was really good too. Uh, they ended up with nine tackles for loss, so solid number there. They only had one sack, so you would like to see that number a little bit more. But here's the one thing. Sacks are not the be-all, end-all. QB hurries and like QB hits and stuff like that. Those can be just as valuable because those are the process numbers. It's like, you know, in baseball, if you hit the ball hard, it's not always going to be a hit. Sometimes you're going to hit it to the defense. But if you consistently hit the ball hard, you're going to end up with more hits than the other guy or more home runs than the other guy. Well, in, in football, pressures are like that. The sack is the actual result, but the process is the pressure. They ended up with 14 hurries, according to Pro Football Focus. They had four more quarterback hits in the game. So even though there was just one sack, they did have a lot of QB pressure that maybe caused the quarterback to throw a, a pass that was errant, maybe caused them to get rid of it and go to a different check down than he wanted to necessarily uh, maybe change up the way that they had to call plays on the other end. I thought they did a good job on the defensive line. Uh, there was one play early in the game. Jeremy Robinson was an interior pass rusher. I really liked seeing that, that they are maybe going to use him at different formations, depending 
on uh, how the you know down and distance and, and formation is. I liked that. Um, Austin Book- Booker, I thought, was maybe overall my favorite pass rusher from the game. He, he really impressed me, uh, had a couple really big highlight plays. Maybe it wasn't as consistent as some other players, but the flashes were really high up for Austin Booker. Hayden Hatcher was great, man. Um, I, I should probably just single him out on his own, so I will right now. He had an 87 pro football focus grade, which was the best on the defense. He had seven tackles, which was the, one of the top numbers on the team. He also had two tackles for loss. He was excellent in this game. This is a new version of Hayden Hatcher, and you saw it in that first game of the season. Gage Keys was also good. He had an 82 pro football focus grade. Dylan Brooks had a 77. Overall, KU had an 88 run defense grade and an 82 pass rush grade. I even thought Withers and Dunn showed some good flashes in this one. Withers graded pretty well. He was about a 75 on pro football focus in this game. Devin Neal gets a good goat. 13 carries, 94 yards, and a touchdown over seven yards per carry. That touchdown run was unbelievable. It was great blocking by KU to open up that hole. But then the first cut, which, again, he doesn't always get credit for this stuff because he makes the cutting look so seamless and easy. He makes the reads, his vision reads, look so easy. And he doesn't necessarily get credit for that because if he just sees the hole really well and makes a great cut and doesn't get touched, he doesn't always get graded out super well for it, but I'm telling you, there was a lot of skill to it, and he has that. And then the the like second cut, the little juke jump cut, whatever you want to call it, he had. Um, that and then he sheds the tackle. Unbelievable run. That was a professional run for Devin Neal, and there's probably a good chance he's going to be in the pros next season. Uh, Jared Casey, I think, gets a good goat here. I love putting Jared Casey on you. I, I wish that quarterback sneak would have counted. Obviously, KU ended up getting stuffed on on the next fourth down play. Which, by the way, can we get rid of the? The play where it's like that everybody huddles up and then we do that. Everybody goes up to the line of scrimmage at the same time and quickly runs play. I feel like that never works. Give me more of the Jared Casey QB sneaks, even though the, the play ended up uh, not counting. Uh, but he was a you, you noticed a lot of big running plays. A lot of them were Jared K- Casey leading the the kind of way. He had an 84 run block grade on pro football focus lead block on one of the Jason Bean polls. Uh, on a read option, he was a lead blocker on on like a QB like sweep by Jason Bean. Some of those runs by Devin Neal, uh, Jared Casey continued to be impressive, and uh, he he's just such a fulcrum to the offense. He can have zero catches, but he's going to make big blocks each and every game to open things up at the second level for KU runners. Marvin Grant gets uh, a good goat here. We heard a lot about him over the last week or two from Brian Borland, and um, great hitting guy. He he had a big hit in this one. He was good against the run, but. Actually, had two big hits, uh, but he also had the team's best coverage grade on Pro Football Focus. So, if that's something that's really gone up this year, that is a huge help because he's always been a good box safety. But the coverage has been maybe something that has been lacking on on some of the grades in the past. If that's going up, that's a huge deal for KU. Rich Miller, he didn't miss a tackle. He had an 81 run defense grade, 82 tackling grade. Coverage grades weren't as good, but as I continue to say, if the KU defense can just be better against the run they're going to be better overall as a defense. So that's what I'm most focused on, especially for the linebackers, and Rich Miller played a good game. I thought Jason Bean overall had a good game. The stats look good for Jason Bean, and you know, overall he did what he was asked and, and made enough plays for you to uh, do more than enough than, than win the game and win the game going away. So I thought overall Jason Bean, good performance, especially filling in for uh, Jalen Daniels. And then I just wanted to make a quick mention, guys who made a nice flash play or two, uh, Trevor Cardell, he only played 14 snaps, but he had an 85 pro football focus grade. He had that uh, one nice catch and um, 
he, he had the, the like the screen pass right where uh, clearly they're trying to get him involved in the offense. I thought JB Brown had some nice flash plays. Didn't grade out overall well on Pro Football Focus, but I was impressed with him. Uh, all the wide receivers kind of just had a, a flash play or two. Quentin Lassiter had the interception that was cool to see from uh, from him in the game. If KU would have recovered that fumble at the one yard line, Craig Young because he was the one who forced that fumble. Uh, okay, on to the bad goats though. Uh, Daniel Hyshaw fumbles. So this was a problem for Daniel Hyshaw last year, fumbling the football. And there were a couple of them that KU was lucky enough to recover. This time they weren't lucky enough to recover. So this clearly is now stretched back to multiple years for Daniel Hyshaw that they have to work on the ball carrying here. Then you look at Dylan McDuffie taking his first run to the house on a touchdown. I guess I should have mentioned McDuffie in the flash plays too. I wonder if McDuffie has a chance to usurp or, or get even numbers with Daniel Highshaw. Highshaw did have a great touchdown run a little bit after that, but overall in pro football focus, just a 44 pro football focus grade. Prior to that touchdown run, he didn't look as explosive as we were used to seeing from a year ago. Maybe that was him just shaking the rust off. You could totally understand why. I still have high expectations and think Daniel Highshaw will be uh, fine and, and be a good running back for you, but you got to hold on to the ball. Uh, Jason Bean inconsistency. I thought Bean overall, like I said, was good enough to be a good goat, but still some inconsistency. Threw into triple coverage on Jared Casey. Threw into double coverage again to Jared Casey later. Uh, didn't have an interception there. Lance Leipold even said as much at halftime. Right, he said at halftime that he needed to be more consistent. I thought he was more consistent in that second half, but that's obviously the big thing with Jason Bean that I think is is maybe the the big edge up for Jalen Daniels that there is more of that consistency there. A uh, tackling. I think what kind of gets a bad goat here. KU just had a 58 tackling grade in this game. They missed nine tackles, which uh, more than you'd like against an FCS opponent. Now, obviously, Jacardia Wright is a Kansas State transfer, and they have a lot of you know D1 transfers on their roster, but the, too many to miss. Now, I will say this is one that uh, we'll wait and see how it goes. If it goes into the Illinois game and you have that problem again, it's going to be a bigger deal because they're just going to run it down your throat and keep breaking tackles. The hope here for me is that um, all those missed tackles, a lot of times the first game of the season, it can be hard to nail down the tackling after you had camp and, and maybe you weren't doing full pads or full tackling each and every game. So we'll, we'll see if that carries over. But uh, that is something that could be a little bit concerning moving forward. Uh, guarding crossing routes, I thought that was something that gave KU some trouble in this game. Just a 64 coverage grade overall, so the coverage wasn't great in this game. And that was one area that I thought they got exploited a little bit. So we'll see how they uh, overcome that into the Illinois game and moving forward for the rest of the season. All right, we're going to finish up early look at uh, next Friday with KU versus Illinois. First though, this episode of the show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed, plus all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And for what it's worth, uh, FanDuel has... KU, I believe the early line, KU minus two in this game against Illinois. So you can get in on that action. Um, it'll be kind of a coin flip game. Kansas obviously beat Missouri State. Illinois had a tough Toledo team. Toledo is kind of, they won the MAC last year. Like some people are thinking they could win nine, 10, maybe even 11 games this season. Um, it's a good team. So Illinois had to suffer through. They needed a last second field goal. They did hit it. Luke Altmeyer looked pretty good. They won 30 to 28. 
Um, so Illinois is just a good team. What, what What's going to stress KU here is the running attack of Illinois and what Brett Bielema wants to do. And then some play action plays for uh, Luke Altmaier. We'll see what the defense can do. But if the defense can hold Illinois to 150 or less rushing yards, I think you feel good about how this one goes. KU is going to actually do a blackout in this game. They're going to be wearing black uniforms. It's going to be a, kind of a cool situation going down there. So I'm excited for that one. You need Jalen Daniels back. You need Luke Grimm back at the very least. We'll see if that ends up happening. We'll monitor that with the upcoming this week Lance Lightbolt press conference. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. You can find us anywhere you get any of your podcasts. You can find us on our YouTube page. Like and subscribe to the show. Thanks. Have a great rest of your day.